The way Ayurveda explains it is that our mind, down to the deepest consciousness, is a social entity that follows a collective pattern. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Simply Ayurveda. I am your Ayurvedic coach, Julia, and for these past couple of weeks, we have been diving into how we understand the mind through an Ayurvedic perspective. Today, we will be continuing that conversation by talking about how our mind digests the world around us. In the health world, we love talking about our physical digestion. We talk about what to eat, how to eat, when to eat. We talk a lot these days, thankfully, about taking care of our gut and our gut health. But little do we talk about our other digestive process, like our mental digestion. Western science loves to separate the mind and body, but this couldn't be more untrue. The mind and body operate together and influence each other. Ayurveda is a science that has studied this connection for over 5,000 years, and it emphasizes the interconnectedness between the body, mind, and soul. It's actually for this exact reason as to why Ayurveda offers one of the most comprehensive approaches to achieving optimal health and well-being. According to Ayurveda, the mind is an integral part of our overall health, and our mental digestion is just as important as our physical. While our physical digestion refers to the food we eat, our mental digestion refers to the processing of information, emotions, and experiences in a healthy and balanced way. Now, what does a healthy and balanced way mean? It means digesting our information in a clear and objective way rather than allowing personal biases or emotions to interfere. The way you perceive and digest what's around you also depends on the status of your doshas. To lay it out in really simple terms, having too much vata could be causing anxiety, having too much pitta could be causing stress, and having too much kapha could be causing depression. A couple episodes ago, I also introduced the three qualities of the mind. Rajas, which is the quality of our mind that produces activity and turbulence. Tamas, which is the quality that produces dullness and inertia. And then Sattva, which is purity and balance in the mind. So we have the influence of the doshas. We have the influence of the three qualities of the mind. And then we have everything that just happens in our day-to-day. So there are so many different factors that influence our energies and how we take in and digest our information. Part of an Ayurvedic consultation involves assessing all of these factors. We look at your body constitution. We examine the doshas, where they're currently at versus where they need to be. And then we assess your mental constitution, examining your outlook on life where and how you spend your time, what information is being absorbed through your five senses on a daily basis, and how do you then process and digest all of that information. So all of this is exactly what we're going to dive into today. 
So let's start by talking about how our mind goes about digesting information. The mind absorbs information through our five senses, our taste, smell, sight, touch, and hearing. When information is picked up through our senses, it digests everything it takes in through this five-step process. So first, we have our perception. This is when we first take in something through our senses. And then we have assimilation. In this stage, the mind assimilates the information it received by analyzing it and interpreting it. So the mind uses this stage to form its impressions, its concepts, and judgments about the received information. After that, we have retention. And so this is pretty self-explanatory. This is basically when the stimuli that has been taken in is now retained in our memory for later use. And once we retain the information, then we have the ability to recall the information. And this is also associated with wisdom and understanding because it involves the ability to recall knowledge and be able to discern the truth from the memory. And then the last step is response. In this final stage, the mind responds to the information that it processed by taking appropriate action. So the response can be in the form of a physical action or in the form of a change in your mental state. So this is the process of our mental digestion, perception, assimilation, retention, recall, and response. If you are studying Ayurveda or you know the philosophy behind yoga, this five-step process also relates to the five koshas. But for the sake of this episode, I want you to be able to walk away with something tangible. So now I'm going to ask you a question. We just talked about the digestion process of our mind and how important it is. So my question to you is, what type of information are you feeding yourself with? If you're present with this episode right now and not doing anything like driving, I highly suggest bringing out a pen and paper and writing some thoughts down. Because how often do you really think about what you are feeding your mind? I'll let you think about this for a second because sometimes it really does take a minute to think about and differentiate what we feed our mind versus what we feed our body. Food is so important, but we'll come to that in a second. Aside from food, what do you feed your mind with? For some of you, this could be a really easy question. And for some of you, this might be really challenging. For one, you are currently feeding your mind with the information from this episode, and that is a really great place to start. But the reason I'm asking you this question is because what we feed our mind is the reason for how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about our community and the world around us. And in a world that is obsessed with consuming, the health of our mind and what we consume has never been more important. What we consume physically and mentally determines so much about our life. It determines the quality of our life and the quality of what we experience in life. So to help you answer this question without totally getting overwhelmed, let's run through the four pillars of human consumption. And this is known as a hara in Ayurveda. 
The word ahara in Sanskrit means anything we take into our bodies to nourish our body and mind. And the four pillars are food, water, breath, and perceptions. We are not going to talk about all of them today because I introduced them in the Ahara episode. So for today, I want us to really focus on our food and our perception. If you want to start cultivating a more balanced state of being within your mind and body, the best way to start is with your food. Yes, the food we eat to nourish our bodies directly impacts the nourishment of our brain and mind. When you eat, your mind is also eating. The healthier our food, the more diverse the gut microbiome is, and therefore, the healthier our mind is. And there are so many theories and reasons as to why the connection between the gut and the mind is so powerful. But something that we already know that has been proven in science time and time again is that all of that microbiome in our gut aka all of the beautiful bacteria that lives in our 16-foot-long intestines, this gut microbiome actually exceeds the amount of human cells that we have in our body. Did you know that we have 40 trillion bacterial cells and only 30 trillion human cells? The gut microbiome exceeds over 100 times the amount of human DNA in our body. So taking care of this community of bacteria that lives in our gut and throughout our body through our food is of utmost importance. If we choose to fill our body with food that does not love us back, then our gut cannot break it down. And when our gut can't properly digest something, this is what causes inflammation, bloating, a host of digestive issues, And when the gut is not happy, the mind is not happy. It has also been scientifically proven that inflammation of the gut has been linked to causing several mental illnesses, as well as anxiety, stress, and depression. There was a study published in the Journal of Psychiatric Research that found that people with depression actually had lower levels of beneficial gut bacteria compared to healthy individuals. The researchers concluded that by altering gut bacteria through healthier food and probiotics could actually be a potential therapeutic target for treating depression. Start by taking care of your gut health through eliminating processed foods, canned foods, frozen foods, and start prioritizing your whole organic fruits and vegetables, your grains, seeds, and nuts as much as possible. If you can find it locally grown at your local farmer's market, that's even better. You cannot expect to see a shift in your mindset if your diet doesn't go hand in hand with the transformation you're trying to make. The same way that we nourish our body and our mind through our food, we also nourish it through our perceptions and our experiences. So let's move on to talk about how the thoughts and experiences that we expose ourselves to can affect our mental digestion and mental health. Essentially, the goal is that we want to reduce our negative thoughts and experiences and replace them with positive ones. All easier said than done. So how do we switch or improve a negative state of mind into a positive one? How do you really assess what you are feeding your mind with? We do this by bringing our attention and awareness 
to things like how we talk to ourselves? Is the inner dialogue always critiquing or is there room to start loving ourselves more? Are we doing the inner healing work to heal our past traumas and emotions or are we just suppressing them hoping that they'll just magically disappear one day? Are the people you're surrounding yourself with uplifting your energy or are they draining it? What are you reading? What are you listening to or watching on social media? And what emotions does all of that provoke in you? You have to look at the quality of your food, your impressions, your associations, the emotions that you have most frequently, the thoughts and beliefs in which motivate you. You really need to sit and ask yourself, what do you hold most dear to your heart? What and where do you give most of your attention to? If you haven't grabbed that pen and paper yet, now is a good time. In Dr. David Frawley's book, Ayurveda and the Mind, he describes it in a way that says, who we are psychologically is a result of how we interact with our environment. If you want to see what you are, look at the people you feel closest to and with whom you spend the most time with. There is a famous theory that says that we are an average of the five people we spend the most time with. And I love this theory, but it actually doesn't exclusively apply to only the five people you spend your days with. It also expands out to your friends' friends and their friends of friends, and it really ripples outward and applies to your whole community. And that's because this theory relates to the law of averages. The first major study that was done on this was done by Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler. These two studied one of the largest and longest-running health studies ever, known as the Framingham Heart Study. The participants of this study were examined for all sorts of medical conditions, and they were probed with tons of demographic questions, also questions that included their family, friends, and who they associated with. What they found was wild. Obesity was one of the factors that they looked at, and according to these results, it showed that if a friend of yours becomes obese, you yourself are 45% more likely to gain weight over the next couple of years. But then they also found that if a friend of your friend becomes obese, your likelihood of gaining weight still increased by 20%, even if you don't even know who that friend is. Then they looked at smoking rates. If your friend smokes, you are a whopping 61% chance more likely to pick up smoking. If a friend of a friend smokes, you are still 29% more likely to smoke. It even applies to happiness. If your friend is happy, you will be happier. If your friend has friends who are happy, you will still become a happier person. So why is this? The way Ayurveda explains it is that our mind, down to the deepest consciousness, is a social entity that follows a collective pattern. The mind is what reflects our interactions with other people. And we see this on a firsthand basis, starting with our parents and how we're raised. The mind is the ultimate record-keeping book of our associations. 
So you are not only an average of the five people you surround yourself with. You are an average of all the people you surround yourself with. Take a look around. Are you in the right environment? Are you in the right company? I'll give you an example. If you plant a flower and it doesn't bloom, what do you do? Well, first, you might check to make sure that it's getting enough sunlight. You might make sure that it's getting enough water. You might make sure that the soil has enough nutrients. In that process, do you ever once blame the flower for not blooming? No. You check its surroundings, its environment, as to why that flower is not blooming to its full potential. Ayurvedic psychology even emphasizes examining and auditing our surroundings and who we surround ourselves with to ensure our psychological well-being. We should always be careful to keep ourselves in the right company, associating ourselves with people who elevate us, who bring peace and awareness, who empowers one another. And this especially applies on an intimate level. To truly begin healing the mind, It involves healing how we relate to the world. And how we relate to the world begins with what we choose to feed ourselves from the world. You know, I think to kind of reel this conversation back in, between these two main topics that we've talked about, taking care of what we feed our gut and taking care of what we feed ourselves from our environment, it really all boils down to our community. How are we taking care of our internal community, aka the trillions of bacteria that keep us alive? And how are we taking care and being mindful of our external community, our friends, our family, how we talk to ourselves, the energy in which we associate with? Our mind care is our life care. And if you want to start improving the fitness of your mind, then these are two really great places to start. Number one, look at what you are feeding yourself through your food. And number two, look at what you are feeding yourself through your perceptions, your senses, and your environment. Start creating those boundaries that you need for yourself. Learn to discipline your mind and your behaviors and how you talk to yourself and who you associate with. You have to take responsibility. And in taking responsibility, that puts the power in your hands. You have the power to change anything you set your mind to. You can do it. I believe in you. And you got to believe in yourself as well, because that's really what matters most. And just know that I am here to help guide and support you along the way. I offer one-on-one consultations as well as weekly wellness coaching to help you get from point A to point B. All of that information can be found in the show description. Quick podcast disclaimer, please note that this podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional. As always, thank you all so much for being here. And until next time, I will talk to you next Tuesday.